All right, guys, here we are. It's the Hypecast, new and reinvented because obviously a, a coronavirus just decided to get in our way. But um, hey, we've, we've reinvented ourselves and now you can actually see us. So we're recording the Hypecast via a Zoom chat. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's not. Maybe you don't want to see us and you prefer that we go just audio only. But hey, at least you have the choice. Um, super excited to... Um, to uh, get this going. Um, Sel and I have wanted to, to get the Hypecast recorded for a while now, but um, hey, now's just the perfect time. It's actually the perfect time because this time we have our very first international guest. So we actually had to do the podcast this way anyway. So um, really, really excited to um, introduce this guest to you guys. I know we're gonna have a great chat. So um, let's get into it. We've got Daniel Graham on the line. What's up, brother? Yo, how's it going? It's British, awesome. but living in America, just to be confusing. And half the Americans think I'm Australian. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. Brother, keep, keep going on a roll. Tell us a little bit about what you do um, and give us, a, give us a little rundown. Yeah, nice. So um, first, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. I didn't know it was visual as well. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I would have actually bothered uh, showering because we're in day like 20 of quarantine or whatever it is I don't even know what's going on um no I've showered so I'm founder CEO of Mint Marketing we're a um a digital growth agency based out in LA um also co-founder of Sweat Ventures which is a venture studio also based in, in LA um We've been going for about two years. Uh, Sweat Ventures is a new, um, a new thing we launched this year. Um, and my background, really, I've been in digital and social advertising for a very long time, um, despite my youthful appearance. Um, I'm not that young. Um, so about 18 years. Um, I started at MySpace back in 2004, 2005, where I was one of the first employees of MySpace. So um, anybody who's old enough to remember what that is, that was the first proper social media platform that was out there. Um, so, you know, been in, the, been in this game um, and what we call social for quite a long time and been interesting to see it mature and mature with it. Um, and yeah, happy to, happy to be chatting to you guys. I'm sure we'll dive into details. Don't want to go too long in the beginning section, but yeah, excited. Yeah. I think it's so exciting having you on board. Um, something that I think that you'll find quite funny actually is how we actually connected and how we actually found you in the first place. So um, I follow someone who is a great friend of yours. His name's Randall Pitch. He's the owner of Live Fit, which is obviously a, a extremely successful lifestyle clothing or apparel business that's based out of LA. And um, one day I just saw on his social, he was at some sort of pool party in Vegas. And I was like, man, who's this? Who's this shredded, tatted up dude next to, <laughs> next to Randall? And I just so happened to find your page. And obviously us being involved in digital in a big way, you resonated with me immediately. Um, and I started following you. And then it was just the content that you posted, which was just so full of value, so insightful, so intelligent. And what I felt was so different to what everyone else was posting out there, out there at the time. Um, and by no means were you trying to 
position yourself as an influencer or anything along those lines. You were just sharing your thoughts uh, and, you know, your advice, the lay of the land of, of digital and how you saw it. And I just loved it. And then I think I reached out to you when we started chatting and, um, and then here we are, we've, we've done some business deals with, with each other. We're um, wanting to, you know, do lots of cool things with each other. And it's all come from the connection that we've found through social media. That's the perfect sort of per- perfect sort of way that we've connected is um, yeah. through exactly what we're talking about. I know it's wild. It's yeah, wild. Man. I mean, like you said, that's how we connected. Um, that's how I connected with, you know, to have those types of connections with people in Australia, in the UK now living over here and all over the, all over the globe. And it, it's kind of, it shows the, the positives of what can come from social media, you know, um, there are negatives, but if you look for the positives and use it in that way, then there's a ton of, ton of upside, a ton of benefit from, from just being honest, being open to opportunities, open to connections um that's that's what it's for you know it's it it shouldn't just be a highlight reel of uh of of whatever it should be to to build those relationships 100 percent, brother just um sort of lay it out there for the team this is not a moment to be modest um i would love for you to share with everyone sort of some of the clients that you've worked with in the past whether it's an in-house role or whether it's you consulting them as an agency um just so people can get an understanding of you know, the experience that you've really had, and then we'll dive into some more. Yeah, definitely. I um, appreciate you uh, yeah. teeing it up that way. Us <laughs> Brits are not good at, um, at, at bigging ourselves up, but definitely not doing that. I mean, I've been really lucky, um, I think, to tee up the right way in being given opportunities to be able to do what I have done and now do what I do, um, being given a chance to you know, work at my space when I really had no qualifications um, to have been working there and to be within a year working um, directly with Group M, which is the biggest agency holding group in the world. And, um, you know, at such a young age, getting exposure to how Unilever do their entire global advertising and Coca-Cola and these types of brands. Um, it was a huge learning curve and it sucked me into the world of digital and social advertising and just business. Um, to be honest with you, the, those conversations were pitches and negotiations and, you know, client relationships and, um, and difficult ones, you know, uh, stressful times and positions type of thing. So, um, you know, I've been fortunate to work with brands like the ones I mentioned, Adidas, Toyota, Red Bull, Disney, um, working directly with the CMOs and brand managers of those brands on how to execute their you know, global digital, social and programmatic advertising campaigns. Um, and, and so it taught me so much about, like I was saying, the digital landscape, how these big brands do it, working with hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars um, how do you spend that? How do you track that? How do you make it make sense? Like um, to, to do things with brands of that level um, teaches you a lot. Um, it teaches you so much about how to move in such uh, a, a, 
a big way. Mm -hmm. um, when you take those learnings into some of the brands we work with now, I mean, we work with big brands now, but we also work with, especially through the venture studio, early stage startup companies. And it's, it's frankly the same principles. It's the same lessons that I learned running Toyota and Adidas uh, advertising as it is when I'm running, you know, a brand that's doing maybe 50K a month in online. You know, it, it's the same structures, the same principles. Um, so yeah, I've been really lucky to work with amazing brands. Um, but I, you know, as much as it's nice to show and say the big names, and it definitely taught me a lot, it, it's in a lot of ways more rewarding to what the, the brands I do now. Um, the ones where you take people from like a side hustle to a multi-million dollar business within six months because of your executions, where you allow, you see what I mean? That the trajectory and what that means, if I move the needle a little bit for Toyota, okay, I've got a couple of extra billion in the bank, right? so what? Like, but it's a little bit different um, when you're doing it for, you know, some of the brands that we work with now. And so that's, it was one of my, one of my main motivations for coming out of corporate world um, and starting my own agency is to just have and be able to, you know, use all my experience and knowledge and really help um, and impart that knowledge onto brands and people who are, like I said, it has a bigger impact. That's awesome. Man. You, you mentioned before that you found yourself lucky to, um, start at MySpace, which for those that don't know, and you mentioned it before, the first original social media platform where you'd have your top friends and all that type of stuff and pick a certain wallpaper and music, which I loved. It was cool back, way back yeah. then. Very, very, very different now. A lot of people wouldn't have got to experience that. But how did you actually end up in that spot? Because you mentioned you came from corporate, but then ended up in MySpace. How did that transition happen? So, so I'll, I'll try and tell the slightly shortened version, but really, I mean, I was, um, I was work, I was in a band, which was kind of my life. My, my actual aspiration growing up was to be the next kind of Kirk Vane. Didn't quite pan out. Hence <laughs> the guitars um, in the background for anyone that's only listening to the Yeah, audio. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so I was in a band and, um, you know, I don't want to dwell on these points because a lot of people have this story. I didn't do super well at school. Um, didn't give a shit about college. I went because it shot my mom and dad up um, in a nice way. They're amazing. But, it, you know, that I had to do something. Uh, dropped out of college because I just didn't do well with um, being told what to do and when to do it. And um, I got a job as close to my home as possible so I could get up as late as possible enough money to keep my parents happy and, and do my music. And um, so was, my band was my full-time thing. Um, and uh, I um, met my girlfriend, who's now my wife and mum to our daughter, um, at a admin job at a rental company, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, that I was working at uh, myself money for beer on the weekend. And... Um, and, you know, I had a MySpace page as part of the band. And so I knew about MySpace. It was really early on. A couple of my friends were on it to, you know, um, to, to do whatever, try and figure out this social game. And um, she ended up getting um, a notification 
about this job at MySpace that was originally going to be there to go to encouraged me to go to it because you know it was in central London it was a bit of a vibe I knew about MySpace and it just was like you know there was no other connection other than that I didn't even really know what MySpace did what kind of job would you do at MySpace I have no idea um not not really so went along to the interview and on the premise they might tell a different story but on the premise of me being you know a relatively cool guy in a band interested in what they did had a myspace page um you know but just like a willingness to to learn and 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 when they were talking about what they did and what it would require it was like genuinely incredibly interesting around advertising and digital and you know so um so i, I was lucky but you know not to try and back tie it back to like a message you, you do have to be in a in a mindset to take those chances it would have been you know much easier to be like now nah, well, they're going to laugh me out of the room or i'm not qualified or this is you know um so that's how i kind of how i got into that position but i had incredible people at myspace um um i don't know if they listen to this they should um but you know bill and travis and a couple of other these guys they just supported me it was when i was at myspace that i first came to la and I stayed at the Mondrian on Sunset and went to Katana. I won't mean anything to you guys, but they're great places in LA. And, and, um, and Samantha flew out. And that was when I was like, one day I want to live in LA and run my own agency. Awesome. Um, and, and so it's kind of cool that we ended up doing it. You know, it took a while and multiple failed attempts doing it. But uh, it's, it's pretty cool to have had that goal and, and now to be kind of, you know, living it out that's it's a it's a massive transition what you've achieved um going from the uk to la and it's a goal for so many people they love this idea of you know escaping to la and building a life in la and obviously being a part of all of the the excitement and the the madness that happens there tell us about the transition and um sort of you know the the sort of how it worked and and was it yeah. easy was it hard it was was not easy um because like you said everybody wants to do it (laughs) or like most people from england would want to you know la not just england but for most places la has that draw that appeal um obviously it's not for everybody you know I, i understand that but um no so i mean from from that time that became the ultimate goal. But I looked into it and it was like, you had to either be a multimillionaire or qualified with X degree, Y degree. I had no qualifications other than some junk GCSEs. Um, I didn't have millions of dollars. (laughs) So I almost just felt like, well, it's not for me. Like it's never gonna happen. So we made it like a constant vacation uh, place. but it was always in the back of my mind. And so when I left MySpace, um, I joined AOL and I was um, in account management in Europe for AOL. And through them was the first time I properly said, like, could this happen? Could you help me with the move out there? I came over here, I interviewed, I got the job. Um, but then they, at the last minute, um, pulled the plug and said, we aren't going to fund the move. So it was a, a huge blow because it was like, I'd come over here, I got the job. They said, yes, the move's on, uh, let's start paperwork. And then I get told, no, we're not going to do it. 
um, which I was obviously not that happy about. It was a bit, you know, it made me think like, okay, it's never going to happen. But I started to think about my life being in LA. It then became really hard to think about, well, what am I going to do? Like, I didn't want to be in England. So it was, it was a bit tricky. Um, needless to say, I, I sacked AOL off pretty soon after that <laughs> and, um, and ended up joining a company called Tan. But one of the key things I said when I was, you know, joining, and at this, at this point, I had a lot of experience. And so I don't want to overstate my mark, but I was able to negotiate within the job offer that at some point I want to move to the US. Yeah. And, um, and they said yes. Uh, so, you know, I, I knew kind of going into that position, come in, do a job in London. I did the job in London, um, was, was successful there, lined myself up to be in a position to move to San Francisco, which I, I moved to initially before moving to LA. Um, and then after a year in San Francisco, because they needed me in San Francisco first to build some of the uh, current relationships up there, I then moved down to LA. So again, it's like multiple fail attempts, knowing you have to come somewhere, prove yourself for a year, mm -hmm. do that, go to San Francisco because they need you there first, do that. I was flying down to LA like every week um, when I was in San Francisco to, to build up, um, you know, client relationships down here. So definitely wasn't easy in terms of transition. I mean, dream come true. I mean, what else can I say? It's LA. It's it's such a vibe. It, there's incredible people here. It's in, it's very tough mm -hmm. environment to do business in. Everybody is in business. There's a lot of competition. Um, but then that you know, for the right person, and I'm definitely that sort of person. That just makes me want to succeed even more. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so um, I, I'd say it's it's been a pretty easy transition because it's like it's what we always wanted to do I came over here with my with my family um obviously you know you miss your mates and you miss your other family who are back in wherever but there's whatsapp you know there's well up until recently there was planes so, <laughs> you know it's it's not like we haven't been able to, to see each other so um I think doing business in LA though or in America compared to the UK it's it's a whole nother ball game Mm -hmm. it, the the size of the of the country the the advancements in technology measurement like not to get too tactical around my world but it's it's a whole nother ball game two three years ahead of any other region that yeah. we know if you guys are wondering why my hands keep coming down here it's because basically my dog just keeps <laughs> my dog just keeps trying to jump up at me so just giving up my dog Arlo a little plug. Cell's gonna love that one. Arlo is the best. Arlo is the best. Brother, obviously, you know, talking about what's happening, you know, right here, right now, and you're talking about the size, the scale, everything that's, you know, so advanced about being in the States. Now, obviously, we're dealing with this ginormous pandemic, which has wreaked havoc on everything that we once knew. How has that affected your business? How has it affected your client's business? And sort of what are some of the things that you're advising clients to do to adjust to obviously this new way of living? Yeah. Uh, 
big questions. I mean, I think for, I think first and foremost, like for for me, the first thing to do is deploy as much perspective as possible, right? Is um, you know, obviously health and all that, all that stuff first. And we were, you know, in LA, I think pretty quick to move to full-time remote wasn't difficult for our team because we already have flexible working and working from Fridays and stuff like this. We didn't download Zoom because Google Hangouts is good enough for me. Um, I'm, anti, I'm not anti-Zoom. I just, you know. Um, I think, and like I said, deploying massive perspective, we, we're a digital-based business. Um, we work with an overwhelmingly large percentage of, in terms of our client base of health orientated direct to consumer e-commerce brands, right? So um, we're not in airline, we're not in travel, hospitality, like those guys have been massively hit and instantly. And so, you know, I think that's the first thing is like you, with everything that was happening, I mean, I was, I was, you know, with a couple of guys over from Australia and we were kind of saying, oh yeah, it'll, it'll blow over. And, and now we're having conversations like it's crazy. I was due to come over to Australia, mm-hmm. as you know, yesterday, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and had to cancel it because I would have spent my entire time in some isolation camp or something, yeah. you know, being quarantined. So, um, you know, we, we've seen, we haven't seen an impact on our business from a like a revenue perspective because a lot of our clients can still operate. Um, what we have seen is a massive amount of uncertainty and nerves around what does it mean for their business. Um, and our approach has been to, first of all, the reason they work with an agency like ours is to guide them in the digital and social space. And, and just for context, we work with our clients across strategy, e-commerce, paid advertising, email, influencers, social media, creative. So most of our clients use us for everything. Um, and, you know, it, what it's really been is just an increase in touch points. And, and my whole thing is, and, and the thing I've really been saying to clients is to not make decisions based on your personal assumption of the situation. Because mm-hmm. if you asked me what I think is going to happen it would be different to you different to sell different to everybody because everyone has their own personal take and I think a lot of clients in their nervousness wanted to make decisions based on or there would have been a a tendency to make decisions based on your personal assumption as to what's going to happen Mm -hmm. and so it was a case of calming that down and saying well let's look at the data and let's realize you know, not in an opportunistic way, but there's opportunities within this for the types of brands we work with in the businesses that they operate. And so what I'd actually say is we've seen some of the best performance of the year in the last two, three weeks across the majority of our brands. And some brands have had the scale back spend because of their operations being somewhat, um, you know, brick and mortar based and shutdowns. Other clients with probably increased spend across mm-hmm. maybe 70% of our portfolio. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think th- there's a lot to unpack within that. Um, daily data pulls, obviously the fact that people at home, everybody's seen the charts about how social media and digital 
um, impressions has gone massively up because most people don't have much to do <laughs> at the moment. Um, they're spending their time online. And I think also people want to have some, some semblance of normality. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're still purchasing their favorite products and they're still, you know, doing some shopping because they don't want to think that this is going to last forever mm-hmm. and that they should stop their entire lives. So, um, you know, the, we could talk about everything for, for a long, long time, but I think it's just like reassurance that the data inform your decisions, which is something that as digital marketers, we should be doing all the time anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and really just be quick to quick to capitalize in, in, in a good way and, and quick to make adjustments if needed, if you're seeing, you know, data that supports it. What I think was of what you said, which I thought was just amazing was not being opportunistic in your approach, but finding opportunity. I think that's um, a huge point that you just made. Um, and yeah. the other thing I wanted to, to sort of say is depending on how long this lasts, I think it's safe to say that there is going to be some changes in, you know, consumer behavior. Um, people are going to become much more habitualized to purchasing online, probably more so than they were before. You're already talking about um, a lot of your clients um, having a massive increase in um, spending with their ad budgets and, and, and obviously their online revenue is growing as well during this period. Do you, can you see um, a change in, in sort of spending habits post COVID-19, depending on how long this takes? Do you think we are going to see much more of an upward trend with spending online than there was before when bricks and mortar comes back into play? So I don't know if it's going to be an immediate increase, right? Because the businesses that maybe will think to themselves, um, we can't be vulnerable to these things in the future. Um, it's going to take time for them to pivot to some form of digital strategy. Now, I also don't think it means that retail is, is dead. I mean, unfortunately for some businesses that aren't going to come through this, like obviously it, it will be. Um, and I mean, touch wood, the, the likeliness of this happening again is, is, you know, hopefully not going to be something we experience often, but I do think, um, and I actually think the trend was starting before all of this. You know, I, I think most smart brands were cottoning onto the fact of they need to have a better digital presence. Um, and, and so I think this will enhance that for the brands that have started and it will make the brands and companies that haven't think twice about not in the future, mm-hmm. um, if that makes sense. And, and I think that's really where like, you know, we saw in Q4 the increase in direct-to-consumer spend um, from an advertising perspective and just direct-to-consumer brands. I, I think e-commerce direct-to-consumers was growing anyway. And I think this just really um, is going to make people more aware of like, they, they need to have a thought-out digital strategy um, to what they're doing. What I think is really exciting, and sorry, I know that Sel wants to ask a question. What I think is really exciting seeing uh, talking to you is you really were at the start of a lot of this um, digital sort of, you know, phase in life. You started when sort of my face, my, my space was growing, all those sorts of things and just starting. And then you've seen this rush or this sort of like goldmine rush approach to 
people starting agencies, people starting Facebook ad agencies, people wanting to give advice about going online, online businesses starting and, and being purely online and reaching incredible sort of feats. Um, yep. And we've just been sitting there learning, plodding away, you know, advising the, the whole way through this. Has it been an interesting sort of thing for you to sit back and watch the evolution of, of digital? And the second question is, what would you say to someone now who hasn't really thought of a digital strategy for their business um, and hasn't really come to the times? What, what is sort of like your elevator pitch to those people about needing to think more about digital and evolving their business in that way? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'll start with the second point first. You know, I think just look at what's happening. Look at the trends. And I don't mean with COVID-19. I just mean look at consumer trends. Look at how people consume content. Look at how people make purchasing decisions. Um, there was a... And, I'm, and I want to clarify as well. I'm not, a, I'm not a retail's dead. You shouldn't have a store. Everything should be online. I don't agree with that at all. Like, I don't want to buy a card just through a website, right? I also sometimes want to try some clothes on before I purchase them. There is benefit to having retail. That's a whole nother conversation around how the retail experience needs to be more connected to digital right so but even with that i think i think that's the point it's it's does it need to be it does it need to be either or or should it just be both because that's how consumers in this day and age are researching companies brands products services um it, it it's often starts online and takes it to offline um, and if it starts offline, there is an online component to research, you know, and I think to not pay attention to how both interplay is a huge um, disadvantage to those brands and companies who don't think about that connectivity between those two worlds. And it's only going to increase. Um, my daughter's nine and she is, you know, completely digitally savvy um, you know, I know that that's the way the world is going and has been going for a long period of time. Um, to your other point around watching the evolution, um, yeah, man, it's been, I've been, again, fortunate to be there at the beginning of social. I saw Facebook rise. I remember being in meetings at MySpace discussing this Facebook thing that was coming out and why we shouldn't be worried about it. Turns out we should. Um, <laughs> And I then remember being at AOL and the rise of ad networks and talking about this word programmatic. And again, why we shouldn't worry about it. Turns out we should. Mm -hmm. um, luckily, I've been able to be at the right end of each of those curves. Um, the term was programmatic. That was when programmatic advertising was at the very beginning of programmatic advertising. So to learn about the technology that now fuels digital and social to a large degree, um, was super interesting and just the people I met along the way, Vishal Shah, who's one of the chief product engineers at Instagram, I worked with him and he left to, to basically create Instagram like algorithm. Wow. Um, you know, I, I, I've been lucky to be around those types of people. Um, and because I was in corporate world, working with those huge brands, biggest agencies in the world, I didn't really, see the underbelly of 
the entrepreneurs doing what I did on a grassroots level until I left um, working with those brands to start my own agency. Um, and, and so it has been interesting because, I, and I want to say this with full respect of anybody who's doing it to, you know, do a side hustle, but the, the amount of bullshit mm-hmm. that people say and lack of knowledge that is hidden behind I'm a digital marketer because I'm young and I have a phone. Um, it's kind of staggering. Yeah. So, and I, and again, full respect to anybody who's doing it and, and paying their way in life. But I, you know, I think um, there's just there's just levels to it, right? And there's so many digital agencies out there. I remember I was being on a client call. Sorry to go from tangent, but I was on a new a new client prospects call when I first launched um, Mint, and um, I was talking and I was saying like, you know, all the things that we did and, um, he was like, yeah, but you know, I've spoken to 10 digital agencies and they've all said the same thing as you. And it, and it just, it really hit home. Like not just from a standpoint of, yeah, that's probably true, but how many people actually have the experience that I have mm-hmm. and how many people actually have done this with the biggest brands and how many, do you see what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it really made me think like how, do we need to tweak our positioning or just how can we be different? How can we add more value? Um, how can we do things differently to what every other digital agency out there is saying? Um, and don't forget me wrong. There's, there are some incredible agencies out there. There, there are, um, but there, there probably doesn't need to be two thirds of the ones that exist. Yeah. who just don't, they just don't know. They don't know. Uh, again, to, to have another reference of a phone call, I was on a call with a guy who'd been working with the company and he was telling me about all his, all his experience. And I was like, okay, I mean, fair enough. Four months experience. I was like, mm-hmm. cool. You know, you've got to start somewhere, but then if you're selling brands on, I can do this, I can do that, I can do this, you have to know that you can do those things and, and execute. So anyway, again, I think it's just, it's a, it's a popular thing, right? It's popular to be a digital marketer. It's popular to be an influencer. Um, I don't begrudge any of it, but from my perspective, I just come from a, I come from a different background of, 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 of track record. I think Sel and I are like experiencing so much of it as well, where we're an agency that's been engaged by a, a private brand who has a CMO or a marketing manager. Um, and just witnessing the lack of experience and knowledge that a lot of these marketing managers actually have is quite astonishing for us. Um, it's, it's an interesting time where people believe that, like you said, knowing how to use Facebook and Instagram in its most generalistic ways is enough to advise a company on you know, they're greater marketing strategies and it's just not the case. Um, I'm sorry to interrupt. I think, I think what it is as well is, you know, people have to understand um, that these platforms make it as easy as possible for someone with very little knowledge to get on them and spend money, right? Because they're a business and they're incentivized to do so. And so, you know, it's anybody, you don't need me to help you to run an ad. You really don't across any platform. Anybody can spend an hour on Google, go into Facebook and run ads and, and, 
and most people probably should to get some form of understanding around it right and i think the people who can do that and add value to clients like it's a great thing to do um they make it very very easy for you to do that what i think to your point of what you were just getting to is that's so such a minute part of what it actually takes to scale a brand, to grow a brand, um, to, to know how to, you know, know what to do in certain situations. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's that, it's that time old thing. Like you can't, you can't buy experience. Yeah. Um, you can't fast track experience. You have to go through these things and, and know what to do in those situations. Um, and, and so, you know, everyone has to start somewhere and you only get experience by going through these things. But I think, you know, brands need super aware of who they are getting involved with from a digital marketing perspective so that they know they're getting someone who can um, do a good job for them and not just in the first month or three months, but six months, 12 months. How do you, how do you continuously take that brand forward? Yeah. Mentioned um, brand there, which is a cool a cool topic for us at the moment because we're doing a lot of um, brand strategies within hype. And um, one thing that comes up a lot within our talks with people is they talk about my product is this or my brand is this, but often a unique selling point may be missing or they can't really define their brand. And we've talked to you about our brands as well, whether it be combat, sprout, hype. Um, and what we feel is unique and how we can deliver that message on scale to a lot of people. And we believe digital is the best way to do that. Traditional is still, still a major factor, but with you working with so many large brands, is there anything that you notice all of them do systematically really well, or is it a unique type of equation for every single brand that makes them special? that allows them to elevate their story above their competitors? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, I think the, you know, the, the big brands are often afforded the fact that they've had years to figure it out and hone it. Um, and, but what I'd say, I, what I'd say is that the, we come across lots of the brands as you're mentioning as well. And I think, I think it's twofold. I think it's partly because also with the rise of digital, the rise of kind of how easy it is to start a brand, oftentimes what people are really starting is a product and there's a name and some semblance of an idea as to what that is, but they've, they've created a product and how do you make that a brand? And, you know, this isn't to be dis- discouraging to the to those people because everyone has has a skill set. I can't do I can't do products. I'm part of a couple of brands, and I am not the guy who's looking at packaging. No idea. Um, like no, I don't know anything about you know. I don't know anything. I know enough, but I'm I'm not working with manufacturers on how to put ingredients into products. No clue. Um, so massive respect for even starting products. But I think what it often comes is there's a lack of clarity and focus and and i think too many people want to be something for everybody because they think that's their biggest opportunity to be successful and i think the you know if you look at what the big brands do they're actually when you really define it they're actually quite narrow in their focus they're just big because a lot of people like the brand 
because they were narrow and that narrow and focused intent on what they are and the value they bring to the world spreads um, amongst probably initially a niche audience, right? Think of Nike, it was just for runners when it first started and it's evolved because people have started to care more about it. Um, and so I think you look at some of the best brands and I, you know, they just have clarity around the value they bring. Um, and, and that helps them. Um, you know, that, that, and I think that's where a lot of young brands need that initial help is, and it's something we do within the venture studio is, okay, how do we actually create a brand around the products that you have? hone your message, narrow your focus. Doesn't mean we're making you a small brand because we're going narrow. We're just defining what you truly are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I, I think that's one of the key points. I think these are some really exciting conversations that we've had ourselves with brands like Combat and things like that as well. Um, do you think that, so do you think that having an experience of having your own products has helped you understand the position of your clients and what they're going through and has helped you better advise your clients uh, on their strategies and, and obviously businesses as a result? Yes, massively. Um, I th- Cause I think it's just, you know, um, it's also that they know that I've been in their shoes. Like I've, we've started brands from zero revenue and scaled them through, the exact strategies and the exact people who are now there and trusting to scale their brands um, or, or, or run their brands uh, digital marketing. So I think it was great for me because I got to see the other side. Um, I love the creativity involved in it. I love learning about 3PLs and co-packers and all this stuff. And, um, and yeah, I think it's, I think it brings credibility to what, to what we do because brands know that, we don't just know this from a from an agency digital marketing side. We've also done it ourselves um, on our own on our own brands, um, and and so yeah, it, it helps me, and I think it helps the credibility of the of what we do within the venture and the marketing agency. For sure, this is something that Sel and I have gone through um, evolving our agency hype is. Um, we obviously run quite a lot of our own brands and businesses and in hospitality and sports nutrition in health and, and other things. And it's something that we've yep. always kept quite quiet. Um, and we were always of the thought process that clients might think that we not won't have enough time for their business if we're also running our own businesses through the agency. And it just obviously wasn't the case, but we, yep. were, we were shy or scared of, of that thought process, but obviously yep. to you, um, and you're, you know, I might, may not have said it to you directly, but b- very much being a, a mentor for us and also some other mentors that we have, have really encouraged us. Hey, no, that's actually a unique um, part of what you guys do is you've done it for so many yeah. different businesses. Um, you've walked in our clients shoes and it's given us the confidence to really stand forward with those businesses and use them as sort of, you know, uh, a point of promotion for our own agency to, and, and confidence for our clients to know that yeah. we can do what we say that um, we want to do for their business. Yeah. I mean, it's the, it's the ultimate proof, you know, like not only have you done it for other brands, but you put your own money and time in 
to something and through the same strategies and people and services you've been able to achieve what you have with your own brands um so i, I think it's you know it, it's a it's a big selling point um the, the whole competitive element again if you were if you're an agency that or would you rather have an agency that um you know has lots of experience in your vertical or an agency with no experience in your vertical who's going to be more successful Hmm. right but it's the agency with most experience and obviously you have to use all the right data protection and non-compete and all that sort of stuff but that's easy that's that's not the conversation the conversation is we have done this for in a vertical or for a brand that you would like you know and you want those services and i think that's that's really powerful um i get asked that all the time hmm. all the time with um with clients, oh well, you you already have a brand in X vertical. Is that going to be an issue? And I was like, well, you you know, if I didn't, I'd have a really small agency. Yeah. And, and then also, would you rather go to an agency that has no experience in how to do this for the type of brand that you have? You know, so I think, I think once you say those sorts of things, people it tend to hit tends to hit home. Right. Yes. Brother, one thing that I find really exciting about um, how you're evolving your business now is you've gone from helping people with obviously all these, the digital execution, social media, influencer marketing content, and now you're actually creating, I don't know how much you can talk about it. Feel free to talk as much as you want. Um, it's Sweat Ventures. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Tell us about sort of what that looks like and, and obviously what you're doing to give back to other people wanting to start um, businesses and how, how you're trying to help them, which I think is unbelievable. Yeah. So I, I can talk about it. Um, so it's called sweat ventures and it's, it's a partnership I have with some guys who I've known for a very long time who are way smarter than I am and way better at what they do than I am. So it's, it's great for me to be in those types of rooms and, and learn from them. And, and really it's, um, you know, it, it's a way of us working with early stage, um, you know, enthusiastic entrepreneurs and direct-to-consumer startups, and then taking them through a model that we have to essentially get them to a point of, of accelerating their business growth, right? And so we have these phases that we take them through, and um, it's all about building that foundation to be able to scale through the agency so we have the venture studio side and then we have the marketing agency side and, and the agency side is really the machine at which we you know scale our, our venture studio um, partners and our own brands through um, and and the model is is you know compelling because what we're saying is we're not going to charge you agency fees we're not going to try and make you know monthly retainers off you we're going to invest either time or and money so we'll invest time for a percentage of your business and for that you get all of these services and expertise um and in certain certain situations we're investing time and money as well and so we have sweat ventures you know because it's it's either sweat equity or skin in the game and and those are the two kind of um i'm not doing a good job of explaining what the website's going to look like but it's basically you got two tracks one is sweat equity, one is skin in the game. They both ultimately do the same thing, but one is we're investing money and one is we're investing time. 
um, and you get time on both sides because we're going to do those services with you and um, take you through those phases and scale you through the marketing agency. But I think, you know, it's super exciting to be involved in that because, you know, we win when they win, even more so than we do on the agency side. And, and um, it's just a stripped down, no fluff, no agency bullshit, just like take you through those phases, agree on the goals, how are we going to scale you as quick as possible? Like what's, what's the end goal? Um, so it's, it's really exciting. Um, we've got awesome. a couple of people, a couple of companies already, already signed up um, before we've even launched it properly, um, which is kind of exciting. So um, more to come in terms of like an official, official rollout of it. But um, it, it's, it's super exciting for me. And it's kind of, you know, for a while, what I've wanted to do. Obviously, the agency is is a massive focus of mine. It's going to continue to be and service all of our amazing clients, um, amazing partners and partnerships on the agency side. But to, it, it's really a growth machine. You know, that's what it is. And so to have the Venture Studio plug into that and see how we can do there is, um, yeah, I'm hyped about it. That's awesome. What's your sort of vision for the future? Is it growing? Obviously, um, Mint's going to jump the pond and, and come into sort of international waters and, and come into Australia in a way. And, and are you based in the UK with Mint as well or just LA based at the moment? Obviously, you'd work with so, a lot of international clients. Yeah, yeah. So office-wise, um, we're all US. Um, we do work with an overwhelming amount of Australians, which obviously we love. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I've got some great great um friends and and partners over in australia um and definitely i think you know to me in terms of the future we do have a we we do have a great client base in australia i think it's a great market for us um i think what's exciting for a lot of the brands in australia is that we have a very very successful track record of growing in new markets the us being one of them um, but we operate globally for all of our clients. And so, yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't rule it out um, if I'm ever, ever able to actually visit once all these uh, shutdowns are over. So it's, it's on hold for the time being, but um, definitely something I want to explore. You know, you know, I get asked this a lot in what my vision is. Um, I don't lack ambition, but I don't, I don't crave scale for the sake of scale. Right. So I, I like to work with people that I want to work with where we don't work with people we don't want to work with. And that's not meant to sound arrogant, but it's like we believe in partnerships and, and we believe in working really, really, really fucking hard. But, you know, because we have that development of partnership and we choose the brands that we want to work with as much as brands choose us, if they want to work with us, um, and I think, I think client fit for an agency is so underthought because from an agency perspective, you just want more clients because it means more growth. Mm-hmm. Um, but a bad, a, a bad client agency fit is, is one of the worst things you can, you can possibly do. So for me, it's about the right partnerships, the right people, the right opportunities, um, enjoying what we do, and obviously growing and scaling and working with more brands and, and doing the venture studio side, but it's, I, I still like to be involved. 
I don't, I don't want to become one of these founder CEOs who actually has no idea what's going on. I'm on client calls all week. I know what's happening across every single one of my brands, whether I have anything to do with that brand or not from a day, I know what's happening and I'll give my input. Um, and I don't really want that to change. Um, so, so, you know, my vision is to still be able to impart my knowledge and whatever wisdom I have to my team and to my brands and just do cool stuff with cool people. What, what makes you excited about a brand when you see it? Is there, is there something that you notice as a bit of magic where you think or collaborate with those people? Um, is there a spark or is it just a gut feeling that you go, this is cool? Yeah, good question. I mean, there's definitely some precursors in terms of the size of brands that we'll work with, either on the agency side or the venture studio side. Um, just because, you know, we're not the right agency for everybody, just as much as we're not, as the brands aren't the right brands for us. Um, and, and you know, I think making sure that we're upfront on the type of agency that we are is important. We're not, we're not the right agency for everyone. Uh, for me, I get excited by... Um, I get excited by products that I like, <laughs> whether I like the visuals of it or something, but I know with the right strategies or something that it could really take off. But I think it's also the, the people, you know, um, are they cool to work with? Do they come at you from a, you know, you know, this world, well, there's, you can be a vendor or you can be a partner. We, we don't want to be vendors. We don't want to be somebody, here you go, just give me a report each month. Like, you know, will fire you if it's not good. Like that's not, we're not into that. So I think getting a sense of like, do they, do they understand what it's going to take to get them from where they want to, where they are to where they want to be? Um, and can I see us being the right partner to be able to do that? But I think, yeah, also starts with the, the, the people and Islam that I actually believe in and believe can be successful. Um, but then thinking back to like most of our clients, I think, like I said, the, the founders and the CEOs of the companies we work with are just super fucking cool people, like really cool people to the point where I'm probably friends with the vast majority of them, um, which is not, you know, it's, it's a lucky position to be in from an agency owner perspective to have those types of relationships with, with clients. That's fantastic, man. What's, impo what's important to you Personally, first question, and what's important to you from a business aspect in terms of what do you stand by? What are your morals? What are your values? What do you, you know, what's important to you in both of those things? Yeah, I mean, um, it's a big question. I think um, professionally, we did, we, did, we did this exercise at our last offsite where I got all my team to write down what success means for them. Um, and I'm not going to read them out. I've got them in my desk drawer, actually. Um, it, it was a good exercise. And I, and I shared with them that success to me means is all about building something to be proud of, right? And doing, giving other people the same opportunities that I was given. Um, you know, seeing potential in people and being part of giving them a platform to, to grow, whether that's employees or or clients or brands or whatever it might be I, I think of course I have to be focused on the numbers we have 
high wage bill every month and we want that to grow as we continue to scale and I need to manage P&Ls and all that sort of stuff. But um, it's really about building something that I can be proud of um, that is run the right way, that has a great culture. And I think that drives, that drives the professional side of things. Um, and what I was mentioning earlier, just about, you know, impacting entrepreneurs and business owners, businesses, um, cause you know, at Mint, we're not working with the Toyotas, like not often, not, we're not doing all the digital, um, there's some consultancy stuff, but it's a different level of brands. And so you can really change people's trajectories and company trajectories. Um, from a personal standpoint, I mean, man, I've like, I, I've achieved way more than I ever thought I would, um, from being, a, a, you know, college kind of dropout, slight delinquent, um, you know, running around doing nothing much good to ultimately moving out here and, and starting agencies and brands and making the types of connections that I have. I, I've, I've already achieved so, so much. Um, it, it's really about, you know, my family, um, staying grounded, um, home tutoring now that we're in lockdown. I'm not very good at that just yet, so I need to figure that out. But um, you know, I think it's I think it's just about being grounded and and doing the best for for my family as well. Brother, at the end of these chats, we always ask our guest, "What's some final words of wisdom? What's um, a quote you live by? What's something that you can sort of share with our viewers and impart with them? Have you got a message that you'd like to leave with our viewers?" It's pressure. What have other people said? I should have, I should have looked back a little bit more, <laughs> make sure I line up. Um, that's a great question. Um, I don't know if I have one motto or like phrase or something I live by, to be honest with you, um, which is a big letdown for this <laughs> section. Can we, can we pause and I'll come back some people, some people have quotes that are obviously <laughs> like, um, Do you know what? I think, do you know what it is? Sorry to let everybody down. I'm not a massive motivational quote kind of guy. <laughs> like, um, and so I don't think I have, I don't think I have any one thing. I think the thing that I constantly think is all around, um, you know, it's, it's all about having that never, never give up attitude, right? Like throughout, I think throughout most of what I've done, you know, we've mainly talked about the good things on this, on this, which is, which is good. And I hope that gives people motivation, but I mean, there's millions of like, not good, you know, knockbacks, not getting the promotion, um, all those sorts of things. And I think one thing that I think I've done well is in any situation where it's a negative, I allow myself a short period of time to be really, really intensely thinking about why that happened, but then turn that into an absolute desire to be successful regardless of what that negative is. Mm -hmm. um, and that's happened multiple, multiple times. Um, and happens multiple times, probably on a weekly basis at the moment. Uh, so, so yeah, I think it's just, you know, for me, it's that never giving in. Um, you, you know, if there's a quote behind that, what is it? You, you never really fail unless you give up. Right. So I, I think there you go. There's your quote. Perfect. Edit that out. Just say that bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the, it's all good. Brother, I guess um, 
I would still love to hear about all of the, you know, we talked about so many positive things, but obviously the more that our relationship grows and we understand more about you as a person, what you've gone through, the more juicy things we'll be able to pull out of the next conversation that we have because yeah, it's this hot cast, it's not a one-time thing. We want obviously to come back, have discussions with you and, um, you know, share more with the audience. But um, what you've shared yeah, so definitely. far is amazing. And in a way I feel a little bit selfish with this chat because a lot of the questions I asked um, were for, for myself. Um, I know that a lot of people will get value out of it and relate to it in some way, but um, it's been awesome to have you on um, and wishing you all the safety and health in the world at the moment Thanks, as we go through this, this these crazy times. And um, uh, I know well, I appreciate I, I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, like you said, it's, um, I, you know, anything I, I can do to inspire or educate, motivate. Um, I know I don't have the fancy quotes, so sorry. Um, have to get those from somebody else. I'll brush up on my quotes for next time. Um, but I think that's the thing, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I think it, to your point around how you, how and why you started following me, it's just, I think that's what, you know, it's just about being authentic and true to yourself, speaking your truth. Whoever connects with that will connect with that. And so the audience you get is the audience you should have. Right. So I think, um, I think, I think that's important, but yeah, man, and thank you for having me on. I know we're meant to do this out in, in Australia, um, which is a shame, but you know, we, we benefited from zoom and, uh, <laughs> and, and made those guys a bunch more money. We'll see you out here soon enough. And this is Australia's little introduction to you uh, on behalf of us. And what we really should have done at the end of that was asked you to grab one of those guitars off the wall and played us a track. That's what we should have done. <laughs> that's that's, def that's definitely uh, session two, I'm afraid. That's definitely session two. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I'll, I'll Thanks, man. Be good. Nice one. Thank you, guys. Thanks, I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Thanks, man.